When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You are listening to the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Make sure you're subscribing and downloading wherever you get your pods. So, George, another just awful performance. Colts lose 26-3 to the Patriots. They fought a 3-5-1 on the year. And it's really interesting postgame because Frank Reich had two, I think, really interesting quotes that um, I, I kind of want to dive into here. So he was asked, or at least he started off his postgame presser against the after the Patriots game saying, quote, I certainly did not anticipate today. I really didn't, end quote. I know he's a coach and I know you're not going into a game like you go in expecting you're going to win every single game. But we just started the entire first thing in the pod, George, basically saying how this was going to happen. And you were George Stradamus. Once they said Jonathan Taylor's out, you said they're going to score three points and score three points. What is Frank Reich seeing that either we are not or what world is he living in where he thinks this offense is going to be way better than everyone else sees it because no one had any sort of faith or thought or hope this offense is going to be anywhere near competent. It's going to be really interesting to to you know to see how everything goes here moving forward. I so late in the week on Friday, I wasn't feeling good at all. Like I, you can tell because you get to see me on here right now. The other people fortunately don't. I have to mute like three or four times a, a session because I'm coughing so much because my allergies are just terrible right now. And so Friday they were really bad. And so I'm like, I'm not going to go down because it's after the last two years. You don't want to be the guy coughing and hacking That's up a true. lung in, in the media room and so uh you know the first thing when i saw the the quote sheet was frank reich said uh, i'm really looking forward to, to watching us play on sunday like and i and i thought <laughs> yeah you know I, I i wondered at that point so i i'm trying to back him up here that he definitely didn't see it coming um and i don't know what it was based on you know i don't i think it comes back to we're talking about a head coach whose biggest flaw, it's his biggest strength, is also his biggest weakness. He is loyal to a fault. He believes in these guys, you know, to, like, he believes that Sam Ellinger is going to go out there and and be Deshaun Watson. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's who he is. And I think it, you see it in moments like this. When things are going well, it's a great thing because he believes in these guys and, and you have a player come out of nowhere and, and make plays that no one expected. And that it's a great thing in those moments. When things are going poorly, you end up with things like Matt Pryor still being a starter in, in week nine and these kind of games being played. And, and it's, you know, it's like anything else. When, when he goes for it on fourth down and they win, he's a genius. When he goes for it on fourth down and they lose, he needs to be fired. Um, I, I honestly think Frank Reich's biggest strength as a head coach and his biggest weakness as a head coach is that he believes in his players to the utmost extent. And I get that. And that's totally fair. And you're right. It, 
in the totality of the five-year tenure he's been in Indianapolis, I say that's more of a positive than a negative for sure. But especially this year, you have to live in the real world. I get you want to say, oh, of course Sam Ellinger is going to make this throw. And of course on fourth and one, Deion Jackson is going to get the one yard we need. You need to live, though, in the real world and, and see what your eyes are telling you, which is what? This team is not very good, and they are not getting the job done. And it goes back to what we kind of talked about the play calling on Sunday. The, the What they are doing is not working, and something has to change. I get they made personnel changes. When you look at the game plan and the scheme, the Matt Ryan offense, the Sam Miller offense, it's one and the same. You had nine sacks today. There's zero rollouts. There's no like play-action boots. There's no designed rollouts for, for Ellinger to get outside the pocket and just try to be an athlete. And it's just like, Frank, you got to see what's in front of you, man. Like that, like living in like almost a fantasy world, it's only making the situation worse, not better. No. And that's like I said on Friday when I read that, I, I kind of did a double take because I had the exact opposite sense. Uh, and so it was surprising to me to, to see that, but not at the same time, just like, just like him saying that now after the game is surprising, but not. Uh, because I, I honestly believe he didn't see it coming, and and we'll see. I mean, they have made a lot of schematic changes during the course of the season, uh, but it's it's really telling that they're not doing it right now with with Sam. Uh, and so again, I think you've got to get to a point where either you start doing those things you're talking about, start running bootlegs, start running him on rollouts, start you know making it more of a college style offense with with quicker reads. I thought they do it. They did it at times against Washington. You know, one of the biggest plays in that game, the biggest play in that game, the 47-yard pass to to Alec Pierce was basically a half-field read. You know, they got single coverage, and he looked and and he and he made the throw. I think you need more of that going forward, um, or maybe you need to to change quarterbacks again. Well, that two. brings us, George, to the other quote that I thought was very interesting after the game. Nate Atkins was asking Frank Reich if he would consider another quarterback change again. Remember. When the first quarterback change was made, they said Sam Ellinger is a starter for the rest of the season, and this move is being made regardless of whether Matt Ryan was hurt or not a few weeks ago. Now, two games after Sam Ellinger was named the starter for the rest of the season, he was asked by, again by Nate Atkins, Frank Reich was, if you consider another quarterback change, he said he needs time to decide on that one, which basically means, shows you, I think, George, we again, not to kind of pat ourselves on the back here, but I think we're all of us in the start. Frank Reich does not trust uh, Sam Langer whatsoever. This is clearly Jim Irsay driven mood uh, move. And there's Frank basically already two games in telling you, look, he is Frank Reich's his own fault, right? For sure. He's kind of telling you, we don't trust Sam whatsoever. Now, you know, that's the quote I was shocked by. You saw my real time yeah. reaction to that one. Uh, just because again, you know, we, we've talked about this before, but why go out there two weeks ago and say he's the starter no matter what? And it's not the injury, you know, go out of your way. He was asked. I mean, he kept being picked at that to, before he said it. Uh, but you know, that, that Matt Ryan wouldn't be the starter, even if he wasn't injured. Uh, I don't know why you would, would go there. Uh, at that point, there was no need to, uh, and it's going to make it look really bad if they go back. And then the question is too, because that's a very open-ended answer. Is it Matt Ryan or is it Nick Foles? We know the relationship they have together. We know what happened the last time they were together as a quarterback and, and a head coach or a quarterback and, a, and an offensive coach. Mm -hmm. uh, is he the next guy up? And I know that's not exciting to anybody listening. I'm not trying to say that to, to you know, fire up the fan base or to, to bring any others. I'm just saying that's how crazy this situation is. I don't even know who the change would be to. If there was a change to be made, I, we don't know the status of Matt Ryan's shoulder. He hasn't practiced for two weeks, but there's never really been any detail about how long he's expected to be out. It's 
I mean, it honestly, it just runs counter to literally with the conversation we had like two minutes ago about his, you know, loyal to a fault stance. Where now you're getting two games in, he's basically saying, I, Sam, like, I don't know, you know, we may have to consider another change. And he's not exactly, you know, a guy I'm going to live with or die with. Again, just goes back to the lack of trust. But to your, like, if we're talking about another quarterback change, George, let's just, if we, again, since Frank Reich is living in a fantasy world, let's live in a fantasy world our, ourselves, George. Let's pretend Matt Ryan is fully healthy and he could play if, ne- if necessary. Don't you have to go to Nick Foles first? Like I get optics from a stand, you know, in one situation is maybe not, you know, you don't really care about optics for your coaches want to win games, but you can't, you, I just, you cannot look everyone in the face seriously. Sam Ellinger is our guy the rest of the season. And then two games that are actually, you know what? We're going to go back to the guy we benched for Matt Ryan. It's not much better if you go to Nick Foles, I get it, but at least it's like, you're not, I guess, double talking your way out of it as bad as it would have been if you just go right back to Matt Ryan. Again, if he is healthy enough to play, which we're unsure of, like you mentioned, he's hasn't practiced in two weeks. But I would guess right now, if a quarterback change happens, whether it's this week, whether it's next week, first of all, let me ask you this. Does it feel like a quarterback change is inevitable at some point this season? I think so, but for a different reason. I, I've been on record that I don't think Sam Ellinger is going to be able to take this beating for 10 games. I mean, you just saw him get sacked nine times a day, and if they do what we want them to do and they roll him out a little bit more and they and they run him on bootlegs, he's going to get hit even more. Uh, I just don't think he's I, – I don't think anyone is going to stand up to Good that point. beating. It's not a Sam Ellinger-specific prediction. Right. Uh, it, it's more that you know Matt Ryan missed three games in 14 years before he came here, and he lasted seven, seven games before – uh, he had a shoulder injury bad enough to to force him out of a game. So, yeah, I think there'll be quarterback change because I think it's going to be necessary. I hear it, and you are right. It could be David Carr 2.0 with how much he's getting hit. I mean, nine sacks is just, just horrendous on Sunday. But, like, honestly, when you watch so far, George, like, again, that's part of the reason why it was so confusing when they made the move in the first place for the whole season. Ten games is a long, long, long time. And now two games in, you see this offense look super inept. They have one touchdown in two games so far at the new quarterback. Nothing has really changed. They've taken a major step backwards here this week compared to even just last week against the Commanders. And it's just like, I, I, I don't think you can have another eight games where you're watching Sam Ellinger struggle. You watch his offensive line struggle. Like I think they will make another quarterback move at some point, not even injury lid, just because like we uh, spark something, like something just, just to say we tried something. I just don't see how you can truly, again, if your goal is to win, which we still assume this point, Chris Ballard and Frank Reich, at least, their goal is still to win games. Even Jim Mercer, I'd say this, they're not actively tanking. I think their goal is to win. I think we will see a quarterback change again this season. Again, not because injury. And I'll tell you what, though, the whole situation, just the fact that we're having this conversation it's back to to the I think the most damning thing we talked about during the week the rudderless, aimless, directionless uh, situations you have with this franchise right now. It, it feeds into all of that. I mean, we were talking about before. You, you bring in Sam Ellinger and you say you're not, you know, you're not waving the white flag to use the exact phrase that that was used at that time. That, that you're going to try to make a playoff run. At that point, they were still talking about winning the division, which now seems like a, a complete <laughs> pipe dream. Um, but they were at the time of the at the time of the quarterback change, and then the next thing you do is fire your offense coordinator eight days later and trade away one of the top offensive players. Those things already didn't seem like they go together. Now you're talking about another quarterback switch. It just all of it feeds into fair or not, and we've already talked about there's no fairness in the NFL to begin with. There's no direction. That's, no direction. That's what it looks like. If if there is, they're not articulating it well. Let's put it that way. 
You're 100% right. And that, again, that's one of the reasons why going into this game, we kind of had a discussion of, is Frank Reich going to lose the locker room? Because it's hard for players to trust what the head coach is telling you. If, again, moves are being made that make it look like, oh, they're firing Marcus Spray. They're trying to do, you know, they're putting uh, Sam Ellinger in a quarterback. They're trying to get some sort of spark on offense going. Then you trade away Naeem Hines. I get that's part of the, uh, you know, part of the NFL. And, again, I think it's a – I wish they actually traded more. It's like, you know, I'm sitting here mad that they only traded one guy and they didn't add or anything. I wish they traded more and just were sellers. But it goes back to, you're right. No one knows what this Colts team is trying to accomplish. We have no idea what, what their actual motivations and goals are. I mean, Frank Reich, especially on Sunday, looked like he was just coaching to lose the game on purpose. Like, it, it, that's what it frankly looked like. It was like. bad. It was and bad. So it's, how, if you're, how if you're a player, like you sign up for eight more games that or continue to listen to the message of Frank Reich and even Chris Ballard to a certain extent, because it's just like, you guys don't know what you're doing. Like Players are not stupid. They know the issues. They know how to fix them. And it's like, if you don't see anything happening, pretty soon you're like, you don't screw this guy or, or forget this. Or like, I can't mm-hmm. take him seriously. It's it's a dangerous game and, and it's a slippery slope, George. And we are, you know, on the, uh, in the fast lane towards what could be oh, a yeah. totally dysfunctional end of the December or month of December, we'll say. I think a lot of people will think that, you know, that some of this will come from the defense. And, and I think it's easier if you're on the defense to not be affected by it because it does, none of these things really affect their job. I mean, it does in the sense of them winning, but they they've shown you they could still go out there and and do their thing and and put up good numbers and and I think you're going to continue to see that because those guys know it. But if you're an offensive player, it, it starts. I think we don't talk enough about like the business aspect of the game. We we always say it's a business when something happens and people get traded or cut mm-hmm. or whatever. But at times like this, we don't talk enough about the business aspect of the game. If you're a wide receiver right now or you're a running back or you're even on the offensive line, you're feeling like they're cutting into your earning potential. You know, at some point you're going to be up for another contract and you're right now, somebody's taking food off your money, taking food off your table. If if this continues, I think that's a, a legit concern and it's not being selfish. It's being realistic. You know, if you're on the 30th ranked offense, which is not probably not going to be 30th by the time we get yeah. to Monday now, um, no, sir, you're not going to be highly coveted, right? I mean, Naheem Hines got out of here. Congratulations to him. If you're some of the other guys on offense and things don't turn around in a hurry, now we're halfway through the season at this point. There's no more. It's early. You know, that's that's got to be a legit concern. And I'm not saying that, again, I'm not saying that from a selfish standpoint. Just saying if you are a human, which all of them are, playing on this offense right now, how is that not bothering you? Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman Jr., like you're right. Like those are two guys that are that are primed for a big payday, hopefully with the Colts, maybe somewhere else. But you're right. Like the, the more you watch this inept offense, like if you're, especially if you're Michael Pittman Jr., I mean, you're Matt Ryan's best friend. You're the go-to guy. Now it's like, guy's invisible. Like if he gets one pass, like, oh, that's right. There's Michael Pittman Jr. I forgot he's on the Colts. Like you, with Sam Engel, at least again, he, he's not someone who's going to really light up throwing the ball. So now all of a sudden you go from, we talked about this before, like, you know, Michael Pittman Jr. would have 13, 14, 15 targets a game, you know, to three, four, four game. It's, it's really bad. Like you said, you have no, it's part of the business. It's frustrating again. This is, and when you make this move so early with so much time left in the season, you lead the offense and you lead players like in a position to where they are going to get very frustrated. You're right. It's one of those where like you look today, Michael Pittman Jr., three catches. That's it. Three catches for 22 yards. You're not getting, you know, let's just say $20 million. You're not getting $20 million a year, putting up, you know, eight more games with three catches for 22 yards. And you're right, I think, by the way, if there is a frustration, if there's backlash, if there's someone kind of 
talking out of turn for less of a better word, it's going to be from the offense and the defense. It should be from the defense because they're playing great. It's like, oh, this offense figured it out. But I think you're 100% right. It's going to be from the offense because those guys had some success when Matt Ryan was in, at least the skill players. And now it's it's totally down the sewer with Sam Ellinger. Yeah, and I you know, I'll make it clear. I'm not putting words in anybody's mouth. I'm not saying that anybody on offense is doing that right now. I'm just saying it's human nature in my mind that that's what's going to happen. You know, at some point, if the, if the offense continues, to, especially when you came in with such high expectations. I mean, I think yes. I don't know if I ever went on the record, but I know I said it off the record that I thought that maybe Pittman would would break the NFL receptions record this year because he would be targeted so much by Matt Ryan. And early on, it looked like he was on pace, and then he got hurt, and things went so far south that, that that's not a thing. And, and also, you know, should mention Paris Campbell and Alec Pierce really stepped forward and, and became really viable options as well. Uh, but you go from a guy who was a high volume receiver and it's some of it's on him. I mean, he had a huge, horrible drop last week mm -hmm. at the fumble two weeks ago. I don't think he had a drop today, but there was a couple, I think that he maybe could have competed for a little bit better. Uh, a couple passes that he didn't bring in that maybe, you know, if he fights a little bit harder, he could have got to, but yeah, tough, tough sledding. I mean, when you throw for 103 yards, George, it's, it's ugliness all around in the passing game. That is for sure. That's the word you can easily sum up for the Patriots game. Ugly in every single facet outside of the defense. Special teams had their one of their worst games of the season in terms of just fundamentals. You had the offense, every running the ball, throwing the ball, awful blocking. It was at all up together. It was one of the worst games we have seen. That's a new bar considering we've seen a lot of bad football this year, George. And the Colts to their credit will say. Found a way to uh, one-up that one this week uh, you, on Sunday in New England. You talk about ugly, and to me, the measurement of bad, Scott Tolzien's name came up today. That's yeah. that's how bad it was. Nothing against Scott Tolzien, Wisconsin legend, great guy in the locker room, uh, but the last time the Colts didn't convert a third down for an entire game was his start against the Rams in 2017. When that game is coming up, it was a bad day. When you are matching, like you said, Records from that game, it's when you know, oh boy, turn the TV off, go do something else, anything, but watch the rest of this game as Colts finish 0-14 on third down. My God, that's terrible. Absolutely terrible. But that's uh, that's unfortunate what we're, uh, we're watching. That's what we get. Eight more games of George. Cannot wait. Let's go. Still two more months of uh, a lot of fun football to watch. Hey, hey, here's the, here's the brightener. The Raiders lost again, and... Josh McDaniels is is very much on the hot seat. I know everybody loves him here. So now you're getting a showdown here with McDaniels and Reich, and uh, both fan bases want the head coach fired. So, hey, could be an interesting week. This could be a situation where, yeah, you beat Josh McDaniels, but maybe more fans will be upset with the win than uh, <laughs> the disappointed. Yeah, that's for sure. It's going to be uh, – or excited, I should say, um, if, the, if the Colts do win. It's going to be – it's going to be uh, very interesting to see how Colts fans do uh, – kind of have their emotions ready for this week for sure. So that'll do for the post-game pod edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. As always, make sure you're following, liking, and downloading the show wherever you do get your pods. Myself and George will be back on the midweek pod. I, I guess George would say to try to bring some positivity. I, I mean, at this point, like, I, there's none. I So I already know that's not going to happen, but I'll say we'll try. Like, again, bring, we can't just continue the negativity of the cult to bring. We got to at least give you something uplifting for sure. We're just going to talk about Grover Stewart. Grover Stewart and Bryce Young, maybe as the Nets Colts uh, Colts quarterback. That's we'll we'll get your hopes up that way for sure. So we'll talk to you on the midweek pod right here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod.